Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Verse 4, And they came near before Eleazar the priest, before Joshua the son of Nun, and before the rulers, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers. That only makes sense, right? That's fair. This man only had daughters, so why not give them an inheritance? Because if he had sons, they would certainly get an inheritance. That makes sense, right? That's only fair, and that's right. And so he did. Welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 16 and 17 in the book of Joshua by reviewing the land distribution to the Israelites. We learn today that God is faithful to all of his children. Scripture tells us that Zelophead, who was a descendant of Joseph's son Manasseh, only had daughters. This is noted in the text because it was unusual for women to receive an inheritance. It was more important that the land remain in the ancestral families than it was to follow this custom. Therefore, the daughters of Zelophead could inherit their father's land. And now, let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. Let me read it to you, Deuteronomy 20, verse 16. But of the cities of these peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. And he lists them specifically, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And here's the reason, verse 18, here's the justification for it all, and this is so critical, lest they teach you. To do according to their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. There it is. There's the command, and there's the justification. It's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a really difficult thing. It's a really difficult thing. It would become a snare to them later on down the road. In fact, it's because of this. Do you understand that it's, it's because, the, remember in Judges chapter 2, when I read those first five verses to you, in Judges 2, that all the, and even the ones we read tonight, they did not drive out the inhabitants of the land over and over again. And what was the result of that disobedience? Well, I can tell you two results of that disobedience. One is that the northern ten tribes were taken into captivity in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians. And why were they taken into captivity? Because of their idolatry. And where did they learn that idolatry? From the inhabitants of the land that they were supposed to drive out, that they let stay in the land, And instead, they were more humane than God, and they wanted to do a humanitarian effort, and they wanted to put them under slave labor, basically. And then, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, they didn't learn the lesson from their sister up north, 
And then in 606 B.C., we know that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come and take them into captivity. And why were they taken into captivity? You can read the first uh, ten chapters of Jeremiah, and the the indictment against against Judah is, is tremendous. He's, he told them, he says, you guys didn't learn anything from your brothers in the, in the, in the north who were taken into captivity 150, 175, something like that, nearly 200 years prior. You didn't learn anything. Instead, you did worse. You continued. Because you didn't allow, you didn't kick those inhabitants out, you didn't destroy them. Now they have infected you. Now you've married their daughters. Your sons have married their daughters. Their daughters have married your sons. Everybody's living in this one International House of Pancakes together, and boy, is it nice. Every, the war, fire's warm, and everyone's getting along. There's the reason, folks. The justification, the commandment of God, and the justification for it was that they would, if they did this, they wouldn't be going through this. Had they been obedient to God, probably none of those things would have happened. Or things would be very different than, they, that, than what we know in history and where did they learn this from? Do you remember in Joshua chapter 9 when the Gibeonites, who were not too far away from Israel when they first crossed over, remember they set up camp that night near Jericho in Gilgal. And there were some men who were spies from a town distant, you know, not too far away. They came over and they feigned to be these old travelers that had been traveling for weeks and months and they wore really dirty sandals and really moldy bread and everything. They just, oh... We've been traveling for three months, man, and we're just, we just, we heard about the fame of God, and we're just here to serve you. We're just your humble servants. And without even praying, in fact, in Joshua chapter 9, they go through all of this, and it says in verse 14 of Joshua 9, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but notice, they did not ask counsel of the Lord. This is where Israel learned from this very act in Joshua 9, everything after this followed suit. And what, what happened to them? They did not ask counsel of the Lord, so they weren't praying. They didn't ask God about this. God, are we being deceived? Are these men for real? Should we be entering in some kind of agreement with, this, with, this, with these Gibeonites or whoever these people say they are? And they got bamboozled. They believed them. And so Joshua made peace with them, made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them, You can read the rest of the chapter, but in verse 21 of that chapter 9, it says, And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. In other words, let them be slave labor. Let them be workers for us. Let them give tribute to us. Does that sound like an echo from what we've been pounding on for a little while here? They put them under tribute. This is where they learned it, right here, I believe. This precedent was set, and now they saw the benefit of it. Wow, we don't have to do anything. Our children, our sons and daughters don't have to get the, cut the wood and bring the water. We've got these guys. Hey, they're not so bad. And now they're cutting the wood for us. Now they're bringing the water for us. This is kind of a cool deal. I'm going to sit in my hammock today, and I'm going to sip my iced tea in the sun underneath the shade of that palm tree. Let those guys do the cutting of the wood. Life is good. But notice, because of their lack of prayer, and it was already, as we're reading tonight in Joshua 16, and we saw it again in, in verse 10 of chapter 17, 
that they didn't drive the inhabitants out, and they learned it, I believe, all the way back here in Joshua, 9, Joshua chapter 9. They learned the benefits of not vanquishing the enemy, but compromising and allowing, allowing them to be servants for them. It was like a germ that would ultimately ensnare them. And, and so the, the children of Israel, they, uh, they self-fulfilled the prophecy of verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 20. And what was that prophecy? In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 18, it says, God says, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. And you know what? We would have probably done the same thing. You know, some people are really hard on the Jews and say, man, they're just a a nasty people, and and they get all indignant against them. But you know what? They're, They're some of the most brilliant people on the earth. And they're very smart. God has given them such wonderful skills and abilities. They need Jesus just like we needed Jesus. They're no different than anybody else. They're certainly not the off-scouring of the earth as uh, Nazi Germany would have us to believe. Remember back in the 1940s? All the propaganda that Hitler did to make the Jews look like these scoundrels, look like these desert street or these street rats that are running around doing all these evil things. Even the caricatures of the cartoons, they all had them, had these long crooked noses. They, they made them look like the worst people. And that's how we won the hearts of the Germans and, and people to, to look at them and go, yeah, they, they really are bad. And you do that long enough, and before you know it, you've got a whole army that wants to annihilate the Jews. And what happened? Nearly six, or six million or more Jews were killed in Holocaust Germany. But they were infected now. Let's go into verse uh, chapter uh, 17. I think we're going to finish with this chapter. It says, the other ha- and So this is the other half-tribe of Manasseh on the west side of the Jordan River. It says, There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph. And you can read about uh, Manasseh and uh, Ephraim in Genesis chapter 48, uh, specifically verse 12 through 14. It tells you who the firstborn is. Manasseh was the firstborn. For he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was a man of war. Therefore, he was given Gilead and Bashan. Uh, on a map, if you were to look on a map, like the one up we have on the screen here, all that land, you'll see right there where in the land of Gad on the east side of the Jordan River, you'll see that that, that's, that whole mountain range right along the Jordan River is, is the Gilead, Mount Gilead. It's a really long mountain range. And as you go even further north, uh, up past the Sea of Galilee, up in that area is Bashan. And so this was the land uh, that was given to the, uh, the east side, but on the west side uh, it was given to their brothers. In verse 2, and there, and there was a lot for the rest of the children of Manasseh, according to their families. For the children of Abiezer, the children of Helech, the children of Azrael, the children of Shechem, the children of Hefer, and the children of Shemida. These were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. But notice, but Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, he had no sons, but he only had daughters. And these are the names of his dog, daughters. Mala, Noah, Hogla, Emilka, and Tirzah. 
Verse 4, And they came near before Eleazar the priest, before Joshua the son of Nun, and before the rulers, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers. That only makes sense, right? That's fair. This man only had daughters, so why not give them an inheritance? Because if he had sons, they would certainly get an inheritance. That makes sense, right? That's only fair, and that's right. And so he did. And so ten shares fell to Manasseh, verse 5, besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which were on the other side of the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance among his sons, and the rest of Manasseh's sons had the land of Gilead, and the territory of Manasseh was from Asher to Michmathah that lies east of Shechem, and the border went along south to the inhabitants of En Tapua. Verse 8, Manasseh had the land of Tapua, but Tapua... Uh, on the border of Manasseh belonged to the children of Ephraim. And if you look on a map, you'll see that Ephraim and Manasseh, their land butts up against one another. They have a common border. And so a lot of those uh, cities on each side, within relatively short distance across the border, they, they belong to each other and one belonged to the other. It was kind of that thing. They were very nice uh, people together. <laughs> so, uh, and the border descended from Brook Cana toward, uh, southward to the brook. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities of Manasseh, and the border of Manasseh was on the north side of the brook, and it ended at the sea. Southward it was Ephraim's, northward it was Manasseh's, and the sea was its border. Manasseh's territory was adjoining Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. You know what I love about the Bible is just the, the intricacy and how God doesn't, he doesn't waste ink on a page. I mean, this is really a, a title deed, if you think of it. You know, when you get your house, um, when you go to buy a house, your land is partitioned. You know, the surveyors come out with that little orange tripod or yellow tripod, and they're out there, and they're tweaking their stuff, and they're, they're getting all that done, and they're doing it to give you that land. It's, 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 it's very accurately described in feet and in inches, and on the map, it, it's there, and it's partitioned out precisely. And this is God's record of this land that he gave to his children. It belongs to him, and he gave it to them. It belongs to nobody else but the children of Israel. An everlasting possession, he said, it is theirs. It is theirs. It doesn't belong to Donald Trump. It doesn't belong to even Benjamin, well, by, you know, as a Jew, it belongs to him. But he, no one has the right for that land except for God, and he gave it to the children of Israel. Verse 11, in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh had Bethshan and Iblaam and its towns, the inhabitants of Dor and its towns, the inhabitants of Endor and its towns, the inhabitants of Taanach and its towns, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its towns, three hilly regions. But notice verse 12, yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined, they were determined to dwell in the land. They could not drive them out. They could not. You know, there are times that because, again, because of decisions that we've made, that those things become more solidified and increasingly difficult to the point where they could not. Maybe there was a point where they did not, but now that time has passed. you remember when God hardened Pharaoh's heart in Exodus? It talks about that it says that, and, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and he would not let the people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and wouldn't let the people go. And there came a point when God says, okay, that's what time it is for you. And then God hardened his heart. And what a horrible thing when you're so bent on your own self-will. God says, okay, I'm going to let you go in this direction. 
I'm going to teach you a lesson. And if you're willing to hear, you're going to survive this, Pharaoh. But if you're going to be obstinate and you're going to be disobedient, you too will perish. And notice how many opportunities God gave him, just like he gives to us. I'm so glad of the grace of God. Did you know you can't outrun the grace of God? I think about how many times in my youth and up until I was 24 years old that I deserved, I deserved to die. I deserved to be judged for my sin. I deserved to die and go to hell. I deserved it. And I am so glad of God's mercy, aren't you? Maybe many, many of us in this room can, can attest to that. You know, not every one of you were scoundrels like I was. Uh, maybe you were worse, I don't know. But notice, and it happened when the children of Israel grew strong. Notice, when they grew strong, that they put the Canaanites to forced labor. Well, if they grew strong, why did they put them to forced labor? But notice, forced labor, excuse me, but they did not utterly drive them out. And here it is again, the same refrain. It sounds like, you know, amazing grace, and we get to the, the refrain. You know, it, it's just the same thing happening over and over again. The verse should read like this. When the children of Israel grew strong, that they finished the job and drove out the Canaanites. But they did not drive them out. So, verse 14, Then the children of uh, Joseph, which means Ephraim and Manasseh, they speak to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one, one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us up until now? So Joshua answered them. We're just going to read through this, and we'll finish up. If you are a great people, he said, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself, there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, the Rephaim, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But notice, but the children of Joseph said, Ah, the mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. But those who are of Bethshan and its towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is a wooded, although it is wood, excuse me, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. And notice the command. Notice the zeal. Notice the faith of Joshua. You know, he never wavered. Notice what he said. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and are strong. Notice the faith of this man. And that's why God, I think, chose him as the man to take Moses' place. From the very beginning, remember when Moses sent Joshua and Caleb into the promised land, 40, some 40 years earlier, prior to this time we're looking at now. When he was 40 years old, Moses told Joshua and Caleb and 10 other guys, from the other, 10 of the other tribes, go into the land, spy it out, and come back and let me know. And 10 of them brought back an evil report, and only Joshua and Caleb were the ones saying, you know what, we can go up and we can take them. We can do it. And you know, had they done that, think of all that had happened in their life as a result of them believing in the ten and not believing in the two. As a result of that, unbelief crept in. And it was a struggle for Israel because of their unbelief. And that's why that whole generation that came out of Egypt, they perished in the wilderness. Those 38 years, those 40 years they were in the desert, God made sure that every one of them would perish except for Joshua and Caleb and the younger generation. Every one of the elders who came out, they perished. Because of what? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. But notice the zeal of Joshua. Even to these men, 
and certainly knowing that they've messed up. They made this commitment, this covenant with the Gibeonites. Now they're hewers of wood and fetchers of water. They've already gotten into this. Now he's going to tell them, now you guys go and bring back word. And and we'll look at um, that when we get into uh, verse 18. Pretty interesting, isn't it? A very happy time, but yet because of disobedience, not willing to take the land. And I think the moral of the story tonight, just to recap everything, is just, you know, when God says to do something, try to resist arguing with him. When he says something in his word, it's good. It's good for you, even though it may hurt a little bit. It may hurt a little bit. Obedience is very rarely ever easy. Sometimes it is, but sometimes, most of the time, being obedient means doing something really hard. It's very easy to cave in and do the, just flow with everybody else. But to stand up and make a stand and be obedient takes real courage. It takes faith, doesn't it? And so, how important it is for us to listen to the Lord and obey him. And remember, think of this. Think of the choices that they made. Going all the way back to Joshua 9 and, and going into Judges 2 in those first five verses, you see how they would not drive out the inhabitants. And it became a snare to them, ultimately leading to their captivity. For the whole entire nation were taken captive. And so our decisions that we make, are they without prayer? And I've got to be honest with you. As I'm sharing this with you tonight, I'm aware of decisions that I make every single day that I really don't stop and say, Lord, is this the right decision? A lot of times it's the hard things that I pray about, but the nonchalant things, mundane things, I very rarely pray about. But do you know that those are just as important? In fact, the culmination of those little decisions lead me in a different trajectory if I'm not careful. So everything is important, really. But we ought not to be under some kind of constraint and so worried about every little, should I brush my teeth now? You know, people get like that. I've met Christians who are so fearful of not being in the will of God that they're paralyzed. They're just like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to mess it up. And it's like, no, you got to, it's just the opposite. Be free, but be a worshiper and trust God can, can fix your path as you go along. So you don't need to worry. You don't need to be frozen in time. Be led by the Spirit. Be in his word and just live your life and live it joyfully and make the decisions that will honor him. And, and you'll find that very easily. You're like that. You're like that. Have you seen those, uh, those situations where a guy's walking through and, 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 and as he walks through an intersection, a car comes flying by and a, a, a plane is coming in and he just happens to turn his head to look over at a sound he heard over here and the jet flies right over his head, smashes into the ground. And then he walks over and there's a manhole right in front of him, but somebody you know falls down in front of him and he steps over them. And he's just like this, he's completely oblivious to anything. He's got this Jesus smile on his face, completely oblivious to anything around him. Destruction all around, bombs going off, smell of napalm in the air. I mean, it's just like, are you serious? You guys are really wondering about my health, aren't you? I've got a very active imagination. Can you see it? I mean, can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you smell it? So let's stand. Let's pray. <laughs> Be encouraged, but be prayerful over every decision. Father, we thank you for tonight. We pray that God, uh, as we have read tonight, Lord, uh, a lot of places, a lot of names of towns and cities, Father, but Lord, we also, uh, if our 
if our ears were open, Father, we, we learn and we can see the, 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 the blessings for obedience. And, Lord, we can also certainly see the, the consequences for disobedience. And, and, Lord, disobedience that went ahead hundreds of years even and became a snare for the children of Israel. Father, may every decision that we make, Lord, may we quietly just offer it before you, Lord. We pray that you would guide each one of us, direct our, our thoughts, direct our speech, Lord, direct everything about us, Lord. We want to be in the center of your will, and we want to bring joy to your heart, Father. So have your way with us tonight and tomorrow as we go forth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.